Hey friends, welcome back to the rest of the sermon, Confessions of a Pastor. I'm glad that you've joined us this week. If you'd like to hear the sermon that precedes this podcast, you can find the link for that down in the show notes. Uh, This week we took a little bit of a break from Philippians and flipped over to, uh, I believe, the 18th chapter of John, where Jesus appears in front of Pilate. And the focus of the message this week was essentially that there is a better way. There is another way and a a better way. I wanted to uh, take a little bit of time to further the conversation that we began last Wednesday in the sermon, uh, and that is talking about um, some of the unrest and uh, the difficulties we see in our world, and simply remembering Uh, that which Jesus has called us uh, to do, what Jesus has called us to be, Uh, and remembering the example that he set before us. And so in in, in doing this, we looked at really kind of Jesus's life and how his life was so countercultural, not only then, but even now, that it's countercultural to what we would expect now. I I call people's attention, uh, if you listen to the sermon, you'll hear uh, kind of walking through the uh, the Sermon on the, Na- the Mount, the, the blessed are the meek, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, blessed are the poor. These are all things that are foreign to the way that we think now. And even later in that same sermon, you know, chapters 5 through 7 in Matthew, even later Jesus goes on to say, love your enemies, uh, essentially striking down this rule from the Old Testament of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Jesus now says, love your enemies, love your enemies the way that I have loved you. Turn the other cheek. In other words, when they give it to you, tell them, give it again. And, and how this message really is what's rooted in the, the nonviolent movement. Uh, this movement that uh, Mahatma Gandhi taught uh, to others and, and the same movement that uh, King um, uh, took up in the 60s. It's a, a movement that I think we are longing for today. The problem is today, I think, uh, you have people just like we did in the 60s. You have people, though, that are tired. They're tired. They're tired of not being heard. They're tired of being told, well, we hear you and we'll do something about it, yet nothing happens. They're tired of watching as one after another an event unfolds right in front of our eyes and seemingly nothing is done about it. We're at a point in our history where perhaps there's there's an opportunity for uh, things to take a change, for something to happen. Uh, But the more that you hear it, it feels like it becomes the same old can that we're just kicking down the road. And so what is to say that three years from now we won't be back in the same horrid place, having just witnessed once again something that is so unjust, yet waiting for those to justify it? Here in Kentucky, something interesting has happened. We talked last week, I believe, uh, about the stance that the NBA had taken Uh, and uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, if I mentioned it on the podcast or not, but uh, it was very interesting to see as well the stance that the University of Kentucky football team took, Uh, and I've been relayed kind of the story of how this happened. Mark Stoops, who is the coach at the University of Kentucky for the football program, apparently walked in uh, on accident on a players-only meeting uh, as he was getting ready to prepare for practice, 
And uh, seeing this meeting happening, he decided to take a seat there in the back of the room and, uh, of course, let the meeting continue on, carry on, and, and see where it went. And by the end of the meeting, the decision was made by the players, we're, we're not going to practice today. And instead, we want to make a statement uh, for what we believe is right. We want to use the platform that we have as, as athletes uh, at the University of Kentucky and make a statement. And it's interesting because you might expect a, a, a coach, uh, maybe even uh, a white coach in the South to say, the heck with that. <laughs> you're coming to practice. That's what you're here for. That's what we pay you for. Pay you by, by pay you, I mean, that's what you have a scholarship for. But Stoops, as he has done throughout this process, says, I back you guys. What you guys decide, I, I'm proud of the, the statement. I'm proud of the stance you want to take. And I, I want to go with you, with the coaches. We want others to know. We want to make sure that people know that you have our blessing in this. In other words, you may be leading this, but we are right there with you. You're not alone. You can imagine some of the backlash that happened as a result of this. And that was furthered by uh, a video that was put out, um, I believe it was either yesterday or the day before. I'm not positive what day it uh, actually went live. But it was a video that was made by the University of Kentucky basketball team. Yet once again, predominantly African-American athletes. Uh, There were some white athletes as well as a part of this video, essentially taking the stand, uh, making a statement saying, listen, you all support us on the court. You cheer for us on the court. We're asking you to support us off the court in something that we believe in, something that we think is important. And maybe what was most profound, something that we have experienced ourselves. That's the piece that I think so many people have missed in this. We're so uh, easy to jump to the conclusion that these are just privileged kids who don't know what they're talking about. They're just trying to jump on the latest trend and, and gain popularity from taking a stand that they see everyone else take. And in doing so, we miss the fact that these are black kids who grew up in black communities and who have experienced things that you and I as white folk, if you are like me, don't understand. They've experienced things that you and I as white folk, again, if you're like me, haven't experienced. And that's just the reality. Whether we want to recognize that, whether we give validity to that, whether we uh, buy into that or not, it doesn't change that that is the reality. And so as you might imagine, the, the comment section, which I've kind of sworn off of and tried to do my best to stay away from, I couldn't help myself on this one because I, I had a feeling I knew what I would find. And boy, was I not disappointed in the amount of folks who came out to say, I've cheered on the University of Kentucky for 60 years, my whole life. I will never watch another game again. To which I would simply say, I hope you are being honest. It reminds me of some of the comments I got back in May when I first started talking about some of these things, racial injustice that I see in the world, which, let's be honest, if I see it, it must be pretty blatant because it certainly isn't affecting me. Some of the comments that I received, and and in my mind, I'm sorry, but it's it's easy or it's hard for me not to take the stance if, if this bothers you, this, if this kind of mindset or attitude bothers you, this may not be the place for you to be. 
because I'm certainly not going to change the stance that I have, or you're certainly not going to convince me that what I see with my own eyes is not true based on whatever you think or feel. It's amazing to me the amount of quote-unquote evidence that people find and that people project and put out into the world that it's, it's pretty easy to uh, disprove. But of course, you and I know that that would do no one any good, which is why I've sworn off of comment sections. Because the reality, again, is if I'm going there, wh- why am I going there? If the point is to try to convince someone that their, their point of view is wrong, that's not going to happen anyway. And, and this Sunday, this message this Sunday, kind of wrapping up this week, and thinking about these messages that these two teams put out, uh, frankly, uh, obviously messages I agree with. But thinking about these things, it, it dawned on me yet once again, you know, there is a better way. There is a better way than going into the comment section and trying to engage in a way that is meaningful uh, in, in a place where meaningfulness is not what that is defined by. Uh, in other words, it, it would be almost as futile uh, as trying to find a needle in a haystack to go and try to prove a point in a Facebook comment section or a Twitter comment section. Instead, instead, I'm convinced that there is a better way. And that better way is the way of love. Now, it may sound hokey. Uh, it may sound like something you hear and you think, oh, that's just what preachers say. And, you know, but if you look at their church, that's not what they do. That's not what they believe. That's not what they live out. And I would want to say, I hope you come and you look at our church. I hope you come and visit Midway Baptist Church. Because I think what you would find is maybe a little different than what you would expect. I truly believe about this group of people, this group of believers that have come together under this roof and and inside of these walls, that, that one of the things that drives us, one of the most prominent things that drives us is this way of love, this radical way, this radical movement that Jesus started some 2,000 years ago when he said, listen, the culture expects you to do this, but I'm telling you, you need to do this. I saw it summed up. Uh, pretty well today on Twitter. I, I still go to these places. I just don't read the comments, right? I saw it summed up pretty well when uh, uh, someone posted. It was Shane Claiborne, uh, who is the uh, an author and uh, uh, an activist who um, went to Eastern University, studied under Tony Campolo, still lives in Philadelphia, uh, and operates kind of a community center out of his house. And he's behind the the. Uh, tearing, uh, tearing guns into to, to plowshares, things of that nature, as an activist for the death penalty against the death penalty. And uh, anyway, he had posted on his Twitter page. Uh, he said, "I can't imagine seeing Jesus waving an American flag." And uh, someone underneath him, another pastor, said, "Yes, yeah, about as likely as seeing Jesus hold up a sign uh, that said, uh, "God bless the Roman Empire." And I was struck in that moment, like, this is, this is what we do, though, right? We claim to be a Christian na- nation. We claim to be, in some ways, I think, honestly, there are people here that, that believe that we are the chosen people of God. And, and, and to put, you know, simply, like, we're not. <laughs> That's not who we are in this story. We're not the Israelites, folks. 
uh, I don't know about you, but but I was born in Kentucky, and and the last I checked, as much as I love the bluegrass state, it is not holy land. And so if, if that's the, the 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 stance we want to take, we've got to be very careful about what it is that we do. What we can do, though, and what we are called to do is to live into this life that Jesus has shown us. And throughout his life, from moment to moment to moment to moment, Jesus spent so much time with these disciples saying, there's a better way. You've been taught this, but there's a better way. Right now in our world today, I would argue, we've been taught to be divided. We've been taught that you're either with me or you're against me. And I would want to say to you, no, there's a better way. It's not about taking sides anymore. It's about humanity. It's not about being right. It's about loving one another. It's not about being the chosen people. It's about recognizing that you are created in the image of God. And if you are, so is your neighbor. The same neighbor who's holding up a BLM sign. Or the same neighbor who's waving a Confederate flag. The same neighbor who has a Trump 2020 bumper sticker on his car. Or the same neighbor who got really happy when they heard that Kamala Harris was the vice presidential nominee. There was a time. There was a time that politics didn't divide us the way that it does now. There was a time when it was more important to be neighborly than to be right. There was a time when I would argue Jesus governed this land. And it's sad for me to say that I'm fearful that that time has come and gone. But even if I'm right, even if I'm right, We, as church folk, have an opportunity. We, as church folk, I would argue, have a responsibility. We, as church folk, are called to live a life along the same path as Christ. And if we do that, if we succeed, I would argue that the opportunity exists For that time to come back. For the rule of the law of the land to be love. What an amazing place this country, this world could be. If we could all just get on the same page. All those who are seeking goodwill could march together and love one another. It's not lost on me, and I think I mentioned it last week. It's not lost on me that the person who I remember, not because I lived during this time, but the person who I remember giving this message was murdered. (laughs) I chuckle. It's not funny, but, but the person that I remember giving this message was murdered. I saw a sign being held in a, in a protest and it said something to the effect of, You want us to protest peacefully. You want us to focus on love. 
yet you murdered the you murdered the messenger referring to Martin Luther King and I have said on here before and 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 we'll we'll maintain this idea of it's easy now to cherry pick the the quotes and to lean into the words of King and forget how vilified he was in his day and I believe that's what we see happening even now and I wonder who we're going to lean into who the quotes are going to come from some 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, when we look back. And when we do, will we remember how vilified they were during the moment? But perhaps most importantly for all of us, can we just come around this message of love? A message that has been given throughout time, from one leader to the next, to the next, to the next, Seemingly always to the same result, the same result that Jesus had, which was he was murdered. He was persecuted. It would seem we as people, we don't want to hear this message, but I'm, I'm here to tell you this message isn't going away. The call for us to love is not changing. It's been the same call for over 2,000 years for a reason. And it's up to us now as church folk It's up to us now as people of God to answer the call, to rise to the occasion, to climb the mountain, and to proclaim love for all. I'm glad that you joined us this week. Uh, I hope that this episode has been meaningful. I hope that you will continue to join us again. As always, if you have questions or comments or feedback, you can send those to me at the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. Again, that's the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time that you have given to listen to this. I, I would ask for you to share this with friends. Uh, I would love to grow the listenership a little bit and uh, have some interchanges, some dialogue with folks who are listening. So use that email address. Let me know that you're listening, what you think about what you're hearing and Uh, any ideas that you may have for for future episodes. Until now, or until then, sorry. uh, Until then, I hope that you will will heed this kind of message and, and, and try to live your life as people of God, people that are seeking out love. Again, thanks for joining me for the rest of the sermon. Until next time, God bless.